Thanks for taking time to listen to this episode of The Real Rescue Podcast. Take a minute to go to therealrescue.com to check out these and other great deals from our sponsors here at The Real Rescue. This episode of The Real Rescue Podcast is brought to you by Breeze Eastern, the world's only dedicated helicopter hoist and winch provider. Axness, because when lives are at stake and conditions are challenging, clear communication is of the utmost importance. SR3 Rescue Concepts, because you don't know what you don't know. And RescueSwimmershop.com, official high-quality apparel featuring the silhouette. Breeze Eastern, they dedicate themselves to our helicopter rescue world. Since the very first helicopter rescue in November of 1945, Breeze Eastern has designed and manufactured superior rescue hoist solutions. While much of the technology and the unique mission requirements have changed over the past 75 years, their commitment to the rescuers, the operators, and those being rescued has not. Contact them today by visiting them at breeze-eastern.com. The Axness PNG wireless ICS system can bring cutting-edge wireless intercommunication system technology to any aircraft. The PNG system can be fully integrated into an existing ICS system or can be carried on and off as a mobile base station. They can go anywhere at any time on any aircraft. Plus, with the strongest and most robust waterproof handheld on the market, this system can take a hit and keep working. Their wireless intercom systems are designed to enhance situational awareness through improved communication capability. This system brings superior noise canceling technology to eliminate rotor wash and engine noise from your ICS. The Axness PNG wireless system is currently deployed in more than 1,800 public safety, air ambulance, and search and rescue aircrafts worldwide. I have personally used the Axness system in four different countries and on five different airframes. It is awesome. If you want more information, contact them today at axness.com. That's A-X-N-E-S dot com. You just make sure you tell them Quinny sent me. SR3 Rescue Concepts is a training company that can help your helicopter training. They train daytime, nighttime, aerial firefighting, hoist, longline, fast rope, rappel, and more. They can assist your program with standardization and safety checks or just an FAA annual refresher. With the certified flight instructor pilots and experienced crew, they are ready to help your agency keep up to date with current techniques, rules, regulations, and equipment. Plus, right now, SR3 is offering 10% off anything in their web store with the promo code, all capital letters, REALRESCUE, R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q. Plus, they are offering another 10% from their partners, Petzl, and their equipment. All you gotta do is send an email to info at sr3rescueconcepts.com. Mention this podcast, The Real Rescue Podcast, and they'll take care of the rest. And 15 years ago, photographer and Coast Guard rescue swimmer number 526, Chris Razok, created an iconic photograph. This photograph depicted the silhouette of a helicopter rescue swimmer reaching down for an outstretched hand in need against the American flag backdrop. The image went viral and became a symbol worldwide for the rescue community and the people they helped. 
Its wild popularity inspired Chris to launch RescueSwimmerShop.com, a web store offering official high-quality apparel featuring his evocative image, The Silhouette. T-shirts, hats, patches, and stickers featuring The Silhouette are available at RescueSwimmerShop.com, including the flagship design, So Others May Live. Follow Chris and his story on Instagram with the handle at Rescue Swimmer Shop. And if you are a rescue swimmer, support rescue swimmers, or just tell people you are one at the bar, this gear is definitely for you. When you get to the website, rescueswimmershop.com, enter the promo code, all lowercase, one word, rescue, R-E-S-C-U-E, for 10% off your order. On June 1st, 1982, the Finnish Border Guard created their Rescue Swimmer program. With no instructions or directions as to how or what to do, the first guys selected made it happen. They literally wrote the book on how and what to do. To tell us all about it, where they started, and where they are now, I've got two guys coming up. The first guy, Finnish Border Guard Rescue Swimmer number one, Mr. Juha Rattekainen. And the second guy to bring us into the now and what they're currently doing, Mr. Sammy Olila. My name is Jason Quinn. I am United States Coast Guard Rescue Swimmer number 500. These are my rescues and rescues from those of us that put our lives on the line every day so others may live. This is The Real Rescue Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to this episode, a little special episode of the Real Rescue Podcast, uh, because this episode is going to be like a little combination of an asterisk, and yet we're going to have an episode because I've got a guy that's going to tell some crazy stories, and it's going to be amazing. So let me first introduce you guys to our guest, Yuha Lakin. Nope, say it one more time. All right, Juha Ratikainen. You got it right. Close enough. Juha Ratikainen. That's that? correct. Oh, stuff. I got that one. That's awesome. I'm going to call you JP because that's your nickname. And, and tell everybody how you got your nickname. Oh, it's it was very simple. When I came to U.S. and then started flying here, nobody, and I emphasize nobody, could pronounce my name, and especially because I was initially flying in the Midwest. And my name, Yuha, it was called Yeehaw all across the Midwest. <laughs> so I had to go by two initials, JP. <laughs> that was so much easier. Oh my gosh, that is hilarious. I love it. Well, JP, thank you so much for coming on and joining us today. And uh, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be super fun. So the reason I have you here, one, because I want to hear all your stories, but this the reason this special, this is a special episode is because in on June 1st of 1982, the Finnish border guard decided that they needed a rescue swimmer program. And they built the rescue swimmer program. And this episode is an anniversary uh, of that 40 years ago. Freaking amazing. 40 years ago. And you were rescue swimmer number one 
for the Finnish border guard. Booyah! Correct. <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. So, I mean, let, let's kind of, let's, let's get this right going because I, I, I'm so curious about all of this, especially with, you know, the U S coast guard and how we got started. You know, it's one of those things. Most people know the story. And if you don't, it's in one of my episodes. So go back there and listen to it. But the short version is they had this big rescue Coast Guard couldn't support a whole bunch of people died and they were like, why couldn't we go in the water? Poof, rescue swimmer program was made. So get what, what for you, right? The Finnish border guard, why was it created? Why did they create the rescue swimmer program? Well, first of all, uh, back in 81 and, and early uh, 1981, uh, they established the border squadron, which was essentially supposed to be the rescue squadron for the for the nation. We didn't have, except uh, we had scattered uh, three Acoustapel 206 helicopters for, you know, medivacs and things like that scattered all around the Finland. And then they realized that we are completely incapable of doing anything with the ocean rescues. Absolutely, there was nothing we can do about it. So of course they they started. They they got the uh, pilots from the uh, Air Force helicopter squadron, and from the private side, and they established the squadron. And I I have to I have to give the credit where the cre uh, credit belongs. And the guys, the mechanics, the pilots, they were absolutely the very best. You can get into the squadron in, in, in a mission like that. But they failed to recognize the issue that, yeah, well, we can have helicopters, we can have the staff, but who's going to go pick up the people? They, they completely omitted that from the program till they realized late in 81 that is like, this is not working. We can't get the staff from, from local fire department, the divers, to come over and, and they don't know anything about it. <laughs> I've heard that before. I just, even yeah. in in like recent times, I've heard that before. <laughs> yeah, and then all of a sudden they started uh, applying for the funds for the government to establish the uh, the rescue swimmers. And in January of '82, uh, they they advertised that in a paper, three positions in a country, and uh, let's see. 300 people applied and uh, three of us were selected. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, okay. All right. How did that selection process? I mean, they're taking 1%. Man, that's. Yeah, they took 1%. Holy smoke. That's a, uh, that's a tight window to get. 300 guys yeah. tried yeah. out and three made it. And you're, and you're number one. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 that's what the major said when he called me after application process. Wow. Okay. So how did, how did the selection go to get you or you essentially three? they were looking for, uh, the guys with, uh, swimming and scuba diving experience. I had started scuba diving already in 1974. I was a competition swimmer in the, uh, you know, the scuba class, meaning that I, I, I raced with the fins on and I, nothing remarkable. I, my best time was 50.1 on hundred meters with fins on which is not great when the guys do it 48 seconds without. <laughs> but still, <laughs> I was in the top three in the country on, on 100 meters. Wow. So they took that. Then I had military experience. I had just come back six months earlier from the United States uh, Nations Peacekeeping Forces from the Golan Heights. And uh, I, I just went through the psych evaluation. They did the usual, the running, the sit-ups, the push-ups, and, uh, of course, the swimming. 
Yeah. And then you just, uh, you know, especially the psyche valve, they were looking for the people sitting in the groups to help how they can uh, get, you know, get along with one another and come up with the solutions for stupid questions like being in the moon. <laughs> what would you take with you if you get stranded on the moon? It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm not even sure I, I do know what to answer that. I got to like think about that. What would I do if yeah. I was stranded? Is my wife an option? Because it, if I didn't say my wife, she would be so mad at me right now. You better she, be saying my be. wife. <laughs> <laughs> honey i love you i would if i was straight on the moon i would take you with me okay just saying yeah, exactly, just saying. <laughs> exactly. That, that was the whole thing that's that's how they did it. It, it there was really no rhyme or reason they just used the basic um testing for any type of job like high, high stress job like that so wow. that that's 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 how we got selected all right so now once you guys get selected it then goes on to first of all did you have training after you were, had a selection process, did they send you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's divert that question for a minute then. Where where was the first base that you guys set up? Well, the 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 base, if you can call it a base, was set up in my hometown airport in Turku, and okay. it literally had like two fifty foot uh, barracks on top of one another, and that was our squadron and the base and they had a big hangar for the one helicopter we had and and that's how we started i mean it literally from nothing we had one rescue sling one basket and that, that's how we went at it oh my gosh what all right so what about equipment because now i mean you're kind of the first guy so i i imagine they at least take you up with a wetsuit or a dry suit and a pair of fins Basket snorkel. The funniest thing on this was that there was no program. There was no training program. There was no gear. There was no nothing. When, like I said, when the major called me from the HQ, HQ that I had been selected to the program, and he wanted to know, he wanted to know, what do you think we're going to need? That's how the conversation started. What do you think we're going to need? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think, told him. I, I think I'm going to need a new Lamborghini and a Bentley <laughs> to get. That's my duty car. <laughs> yeah. I, I told him, he's like, what? you know, uh, I, I, we know the basics. I knew the knew the guy who owned, you know, the uh, Ursuk, uh, the uh, uh, Ursuks, the rescue uh, outfits in Europe. It's, it's uh, a big outfit. U R S U I T. Oh yes, yes, the, yeah, yeah. Your suit. Yes, 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 yes. So yeah, those those suit. in particular, a lot of people don't know. That's uh, it's it's similar to Kokatat or DUIs. It's a dry suit, or I think they actually have wetsuits as well, if I remember correctly. They, they, that's how he started out of a out of a small little outfit. Yeah. So they they make dry suits, but it's for you guys specifically, and a couple of other agencies throughout Europe. So it's just another brand. Uh, and they actually do a lot of support for Eurosa. So they, they throw a lot of support over those guys. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So, so I knew, I knew the owner from, from early seventies already. Uh, and, uh, I just essentially told, told the HQ that it's like, I can talk to go talk to him and see what we can do. And, uh, then once we got together, uh, with, uh, three of my colleagues, we all went over there and we purchased out of all the possibilities, 
literally a dry volume suit like the Poseidon, six and a half millimeter suits, just in case, <laughs> in case we got stuck in the water. Wow. So that we stayed warm in the cold water for a longer time. And that happened. That actually happened a couple of times. Of course it did. Why wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah <laughs> why wouldn't it? So literally, that's, that's how it started. I got a phone call. It's like, what do you think you need? It's like, I don't know diddly squat about this operation. And you're asking me what we're going to need. Oh my <laughs> gosh. That's so funny. All right. So how did this transpire? How, how did things progress with what you needed? Like, obviously you, you know, you're going to need a mask, fan, snorkel, wetsuit, yeah. um, helmet to fly in, way to communicate with the helicopter. So well, how, oh, okay. Well, <laughs> well. <laughs> I'm getting ahead of myself. My bad, my bad. <laughs> We reported, we reported for duty June 1st. And that happened to be needless to say the anniversary date for the squadron the first year. And uh, the HQ guys were there and everyone else. And needless to say, everybody's in uniform. We're in civilians. We don't have no freaking uniforms. Oh Nothing. my gosh. No, we just got, <laughs> we, we just reported for duty. And only thing, we the first two weeks, maybe, yeah, two and a half weeks, only thing we had to identify us as part of the squadron was mechanics coveralls. That's all we had. <laughs> we had nothing else, literally nothing else. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's, and, and then on top of that, since it was a squadron anniversary, in the evening, we got invited to the, to the club and everyone again was in their parade uniforms and three of us were like bumps on the log over the alien civilians. <laughs> Oh, that is, you know what? Way to stick out like a sore thumb. Hi, I'm the yeah, new exactly. guy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, hi, I'm new. <laughs> what? Oh, my yeah, gosh. Then, then we, yeah, then me and my colleagues, then uh, 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 as we got the okay, we went and ordered the suits, the fins, and, and picked up our own masks and snorkels. And when you said helmets, <laughs> <laughs> we, we had we did have no no helmets to go in the water with, so we we had to improvise like we improvised on everything. We started using hockey helmets. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's actually kind of brilliant. Like yeah. we threw hockey helmets are pretty them. badass. <laughs> yeah, we threw reflectors on them and put them on, and and that was our helmet. And and of course, in a helicopter, you would uh, we had those big ass uh, Gentex helmets right. for communication, but communication between us and helicopter didn't happen during the whole time I was there because we couldn't get a functional system. And the whole when you when you brought up the training program, there was no training program. There was nothing. We were just thrown right under the skillet with the fire underneath and developed the program how this is going to work. <laughs> and that's we had no information, nothing on how things are supposed to work. No seminars, no nothing. Wow. All right, so are the three of you guys, the three rescue swimmers, you guys are all together at, at the one base? Of course. And then, all right, so you're just kind of what, feeding off each other and saying, yeah. hey, what if we do this? What if we do that? Yeah. Exactly, oh I had great, gosh. great, great, uh, uh, great uh, companions and, and, and colleagues. And like I said, everybody came up with something it's like no let's try this let's try this and then let's go do this and that's that's the only thing we got out of the um, uh, 
squadron, because I, I wrote reports to the major uh, in charge of the squadron that we did this and this and this, we need to do this and this and this, so we can get proficient in this and this and this. And we need uh, night exercises, we need this and this. And he was, he was excellent in terms of, uh, you know, yeah, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And we got our, our training in. And that's, that's the whole thing. And for, for the guys going back to 40 years and thinking of the equipment, we were using ex-military Russian MI-8 helicopters in, in the rescue missions. Wow. They, they were really not geared for, you know, they, they, they didn't get civilian certification in Europe, period. And the Coast Guard uh, got a special permit to uh, authorize a civilian registration for these helicopters, but they didn't meet uh, European standards. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's what it was. What a way to get started. It's, oh, it's, it was fantastic. It's like, yeah, uh, here is the job. Develop it. <laughs> wow. It, you know what? And there's, there's like so much of that, which is kind of cool, and so much of it that's really scary. And yeah. the scary part is that you don't know what you don't know and what you can get hurted. The cool part is like as you learn, you're like, oh, hey, we get to try like – a double free fall. We get to do all this cool stuff and say, yeah, that's probably not smart. Let's not do that again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There were, there were a lot of things. And then, of course, the boys, the pilots uh, needed training in terms of getting us to the target and getting us on a, on a, on a deck. And uh, the cheapest, of course, the way to practice, they took the uh, Coast Guard 30, I think they were 35 footers and, and uh, relatively narrow rear deck and try to put us put us in there and uh, you know it's never a good good idea to practice with with a live crew literally in a, in a situations like that especially when we get started yeah so i was on a, on a sling and going down oh, uh in a relatively heavy seas and he got me on a back quarter of the uh, rear deck actually and then the vessel fell in the bottom of the of the wave a big wave so needless to say, he didn't compensate or the winchman didn't compensate. I took off like a freaking bullet. Oh. I had two seconds to lift my knees up or I was going to take that uh, radar antenna with me. Oh, oh, yeah. oh my gosh. And then, then I raised the issue. It's like, you know, you can practice all you want, but practice with something else. We're not, we're not, you know, um, practice targets. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Yeah, crash test dummies is what crash I like. Test to dummies, exactly, and the same thing. It came, came the same issue uh, arose with us. It's like you know, do not go over the target on a on a heavy target or hard target like a like a vessel, and start winching us right on top of it. Start from the outside over the ocean, then move closer and drop us on the on a deck yeah. in case something happens. Well, dynamic hoisting. Yeah. Wow. Man, see, that's the stuff that, that you, again, you learn quickly. Yeah. Now, you had mentioned you got hoisted down in the sling. So back in the day, even for Coast Guard rescue swimmers, we had the strop or, yeah. you know, and that's what we went down. That's the sling you're referring to. That was before we had the nice harnesses that we're using now. LSC makes a great harness, uh, Capewell, um, all these companies that have harnesses that can go in the water now. My favorite's the LSC one, but like – that it was built for swimmers. It was built for us. And you didn't have that. So we did not. 
we got harnesses three years into into the business we got the got the government to finally spend the money so we got the uh, the british made harnesses what they use on their pararescues yep uh, and and it was the hardest thing to convince the government that it says in the manual it's only good for 150 immersions in the salt water so that they would yeah yeah they have to be they have to be junked after that because as the salt water gets into the equipment and and uh, into the locking mechanism so it was only good for 150 hoist in a, in a in a in a salt water situation wow no kidding yeah. Yeah. Now, would they actually like break down, or or did and you guys actually had trouble after that? We never had time? trouble because we because no. we didn't get new harnesses, so <laughs> and nobody so, was able to. <laughs> Even though it's in the manual, yeah, you, you might not get. It might be a little later that you get those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, don't worry about it; it'll work. Yeah, so yeah. we just, we just essentially, uh, at least me, I, I opened my own harness, the locking mechanism. I keep kept spraying it kept it clean and lubricated all the time so that it wouldn't jam on me so <laughs> i might have been like, there once or twice as well and i'm not oh saying God, with the yes. coast guard but just in general like yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness wow jp that's all oh, that's crazy all right so now let's you've been there for a little while what did you guys do to develop the actual program itself. So, you I mean, I imagine that you guys started doing something with a training program when you started to get new recruits. Well, year year later, when we added two more, then we had a we had a training program already per se that you know we're going to practice uh, uh, going down, rescuing, getting on a raft, swimming, all that stuff. We developed for them so that this is so that they get qualified for that. And they had already, needless to say, passed the uh, entry exams and everything else. So the same entry exams that you had, the the test yeah. and the physical fitness test. Yeah. And oh yes, you yeah. can swim with fence. Cool. Right, okay. right, right. Wow. And those those were uh, two of my friends that I had known known ahead of time uh, already from the scuba diving circles. And and uh, yeah, now we had a crew of five, so we were able to rotate the scheduling and everything else. So. What was your schedule like as far as on call? We were, uh, the thing was also because we didn't have, government didn't have money. So you had, you were, you were like a, a week on call. Uh, you worked during the day, you were on call. Then you got home, you had your radio. And then the, if, if the uh, alert system went off, then you have to drive, you know, 35 minutes to the airport to get ready to go <laughs> on a mission what oh yeah, my god they gosh. didn't want to pay anything extra so yeah you're home that's so kind of cool be, and kind yeah, of a bummer yeah, kind of but you can <laughs> be in the movies and all of a sudden your alert system goes off it's like excuse me excuse me excuse me i gotta go <laughs> <laughs> you're in the middle of a good party oh, oh yeah. man oh yeah yeah <laughs> wow that's crazy. Okay. So what, at what point did, did the program really start to take off for you guys? And it started to build it where you actually have the, you know, um, not only the recruitment, but the training side where you get the new guys in, it's in the pool, uh, going through training and then come to a helicopter and set up. Like it's starting to get a little more organized. When, when did that yes. happen? It was essentially, it didn't take, but see, we didn't have any, any uh, pool programs and things like that. We did everything. So, so to say, live in the in in the water, and we wow. had a chance to go swim in the local uh, big uh, uh, pool for twice a week at the government's cost. <laughs> nice. 
and and we did that and then uh it was all practice 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 and as soon as the two additional guys were ready they were they were back uh added to the duty roster so that they can be you know on standby and we just kept on doing what we were doing and and there was really after that there was just a standard program what we were doing it's like yeah let's go on a practice mission let's do practice mission let's do practice mission after a practice mission and that's the only only way we got proficient on on getting it done and then on top of that we started doing uh, exhibitions uh, like in the summer uh, big marinas a uh, big beach beach areas we we set up a target over there and and people are announcing that it's like oh there's a rescue coming in and we did the helicopter rescue boom boom in and out looked good got the government support a uh, little more money and things like that so people got to know us wow man you know what you got you got to play it up that's what i say take pictures video to. make yourself look good i'm just saying yeah Pose, get, get my good size. Come on, JB. <laughs> yeah, no, we had a good one. We had a good one, and and uh, it was one of those massive summer summer things going on in, in a nearby uh, city called Nantali, uh, at Turku. And Wait, say, that one, say that one more time. Nantali, outside my hometown, Turku, where the base was. Okay. Yeah, I'm not even gonna try. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. And. Uh, we came up with a good good plan. I was I was gonna be the drunk in the in the crowd. I had a I had a my my suit underneath my rain gear and I had a big ass hat on. Then I was carrying a plastic bag with a few bottles clinking in there. And then so that people saw me, I stopped once in a while and took a big sip out of the, you know, looked like uh, vodka out of the bottle. And and then the guy was announcing something on the stage over there. I went over there and told him, he's like, hey, I'm, I'm going to go fishing now. I'm, I'm going to go fishing. So I staggered down to the dock, got on one of the rowboats, took a couple of more swigs, and then started rowing in the middle of the uh, uh, the bay over there. And then supposedly I fell off, off the rowboat. And the same few minutes later, the helicopter comes over. My friend comes down, picks me up, and we're done. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. What a good that's that's so fun. That's a blast. Yeah, so we got we got publicity out of that one, so that the uh, you know people recognize it's like first of all, don't drink and <laughs> boat, and and <laughs> so anyway, yeah, oh that was my. fun. Wow! Oh my gosh, that's awesome. All right. So is there anything else you want to tell us about like how, how it all started and, and where, where things happen or, or do we, can I get into a little more of like you specifically? Uh, that's essentially in a nutshell, like I said, we didn't, we had to get all the gear uh, ourselves. We didn't have uniforms. We didn't have this and that. And we only had, we had at one, uh, one basket, one rescue sling, and that's all we had. We rotate every time we rotate the helicopter. We had to take those those two things out of there because we didn't have anything else. <laughs> Man, God, that's, then, that's yeah. Then the one thing, one thing, I'm pretty proud of how we developed that. Uh, I uh, can't remember whose idea was. Was a guide rope. Just oh. when you go on a mission, and and we started uh, develop uh, developing the idea how to use the guide rope to get us in, especially in a heavy season on the, on the, on the vessel. 
and that worked out really good. The guys over the Coast Guard made us that monkey's fist, the big, big rope tie-down uh, unit to throw the weight. And yeah, that started working like a charm. Ah, do tell. So, that. so how did all right? So how does it work for you guys specifically? It's essentially you're going down. You have the the most of the rope in your left uh, uh, hand, and then the loose part with the weight on your right. And once you got close, so you can you can sling it, you let it go, aim the target, and start releasing from your left hand, so that you hold on still to the left. And this way, the guys can catch it. There's enough loose, and then you you have a contact with the target. And this way, when it's swinging, you can still get in. So I like to call that method myself is a, um, a uh, rescue swimmer tagline deployment. And, sure. and so I've, I've done that a couple of different ways. I have never used a monkey's fist. So that, okay. that I'm, I'm very intrigued. I would love to actually try that method. What I've done is I've gotten close within, let's say, two meters of the vessel you know, at the, at the farthest point when it's coming towards me and I throw like a, a bag, the, the whole sure. rope and the rope, you know, that weight takes it to the vessel and sure. then same scenario, the, the person on deck will get it and then help bring me into the sure. vessel. Um, little side note about that. It's very interesting. And I, I learned this as, as I've been flying, when you do that as a hoist operator and as you're coordinating with the crew, um, as you're conning the vessel in, you want to actually stop uh, like at a certain point. So you're actually going to con twice. And I say that is in like, you're going to pick a target, which is going to be about two meters off the vessel, continue forward and right or whatever direction you're going. Three, two, one, hold. When you get to that hold spot, that's where the rescue swimmer should be deploying the line. Once the line's on deck, you'll say the line's deployed, the line's on deck, the line's being tended. And now we can continue forward and right, five, four, three, two, one, or again, whatever the direction you're going. And now you're put on deck. But as the hoist operator, the pilot, that's two separate cons in order to deliver the tagline. So that's how I do it currently. I love how yeah, you guys absolutely. were doing it back yeah, absolutely. then. Absolutely. First of all, we, did, we didn't have any automation, nor did we have contact with the helicopter. So there was no hover automatic, nothing. The guys held it in place by visual clues only. Wow. And the mechanic <laughs> had to see what we were doing are we showing up? Are we showing down with our hands? Which way are we going? And then once we got close, uh, you know, in terms of height, so that we can safely uh, throw the throw the line out, then we did that. But otherwise, yeah, there was no, no automation. So you can't just hit the button. I'm going to hover right here. No. Uh -uh. <laughs> it was all done by hand. Old school. Come on. Old school big time. <laughs> wow. And limited amount. I forgot to tell you, we had limited amount of hovering power. So the, the unit had 3,000 uh, shaft horsepowers out of two 1,500-horsepower uh, turbines. And if we're in a, a hot conditions doing a rescue, we only had six minutes to do the rescue, and the helicopter had to go a cooling circuit, come back to the same spot, and continue. So you had six minutes to get six on, minutes. to get down, or the patient up to the Correct. aircraft. Six wow. minutes. <laughs> you know what i uh, i get nervous when i have 15 minutes six minutes yeah. six oh minutes. buddy <laughs> yeah wow dang man um, and then on top of that uh top of that day when we got our civilian registered converted helicopters 
and and by the physics, three thousand horsepower lifts uh, four kilo, uh, twelve thousand kilograms. So they loaded that helicopter up with the radar operation desk in the back, extra fuel tanks, and now we were we were at takeoff weight was at eleven five from twelve thousand. So needless to say, you know, you lose one, you're not going but down. There was, there was we we had no margin anymore of, of error of any kind. Yeah, a a controlled descent to the water. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Dang. Yeah, right. unfortunately, talking about descending in the water before we move on, right before, uh, like a month and a half before we entered service, we lost, uh, lost a helicopter uh, in a cold, cold ocean because they did not know that time that this helicopter had a massive design flaw so that both fuel tanks feed one center tank that feeds two engines. And when that main line from that collective uh, fuel tank froze in cold conditions, it oh. shut down both motors and the pilot had to make an emergency landing into the ocean and we lost one mechanic. Oh man. Yeah, oh. that was a month and a half before we entered service. Before you guys as rescue swimmers got into the service. Yeah. yeah. Holy smoke. Wow. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So then, I mean, at that point, like, what do you, those guys, what do you do? I mean, you don't have a swimmer or a, a crew Nothing. back at base. We didn't have any, anything. They, 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 uh, they got rescued eventually by, by air force from the guys had to uh, swim in a, in a freezing conditions into the Island. Cause uh, needless to say the the suits, the ocean uh, sea suits, what we finally got to use in the service they were, I don't know how freaking old those things were. They leaked. They were horrible <laughs> and, and just just totally useless. Wow. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, that was the unfortunate thing before. Wow. Jeez, oh, man. You know, like we always talk about stuff like that as far as, you know, going in and, and even the old school stuff. And now all the new equipment that, that we have now, new technology, it helps and hinders at the same time. A lot of yeah. that. Wow. Dang. All right. Next question for you. Yeah. So while you guys are getting set up, um, different things with the Coast Guard. So one of our jobs as Coast Guard rescue swimmers, we had to maintain all the survival equipment throughout the the base. Um, and, and some of the uh, aircraft stuff we were doing, you know, post-fight, through fight, whatnot. Um, what did you guys, what were your collateral jobs? Did, did you have any? <laughs> all right. <laughs> JP, you know, I'm loving this, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, after that, now that's actually a good dog leg to this, this uh, conversation. After that accident, what caused the uh, mechanic to die in, in a cold uh, of hypothermia was that we had life rafts that didn't have the underwater step, inflating step. So he couldn't get on it. So that was the first thing what they did. They started looking for new uh, life rafts and uh, ended up with the Beaufort company out of England. And they came over with the new rafts, inflatable underwater, uh, you know, step and, and uh, all the equipment, sea anchors, everything was uh, two chambers, everything else. So anyway, very nice setup. And then of course it's like, well, there's those guys, they're not doing anything. So let us train them to service these life rafts. <laughs> so we had the guy from the factory and gave us a one week training how to service these things with all the equipment. And he did it, of course, he's in English. He did it in English. 
So I was translating to the other guys. It's like, yeah, this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. So it's like, it was lovely. <laughs> All right. So welcome so to Aussie Tech. <laughs> well, I, so we actually that probably got that one. from you guys. That, that's good. I like that. <laughs> yeah. So then, then the other thing was, he's like, well, those guys are still not doing really anything. So uh, let's train them to do, uh, say, uh, go pick up the mail. So yeah, oh so we, we got to got to go pick up the mail. Then it's like, well, they still don't have anything to do. So how about we'll train them how to use the fuel tanker and and refuel uh, the uh, equipment? So we were uh, tanker drivers after that. So you know, we did that. Then we did uh, snow plowing in the winter occasionally. At, at least I did with the tractor. And what else? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because they're not doing anything so let's just train them to be navigators let's do that navigators and observers yeah that's a great idea oh so my now gosh. We got the, yeah now we went through the air force uh observer program uh you know with the air, uh, flight training and everything because they bought single engine old military trainers for like say dollar a piece they bought three of them so then they used one of the Coast Guard uh, ex fixed wing pilots to train us because we all got 50 hours of basic navigation and observation training, you know, night, low level, uh, low level bad weather. It's just, it's, so it was complete military training. And, and, and uh, yeah, we flew the airplane, we landed the airplane within a reason if he figured that we're doing good because it, it was the basic training in case the, uh, the pilot uh, falls, <laughs> fails to return, so we have to handle the aircraft. So everything except the final testing we got done. So that's what got me to get into the flying. I got the got the bug. It's like, yeah, I want to fly now. This is this is this is BS. You give me the training, and now you don't get me the license. It's like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> did so you have to, to it? Did you so, have to, you went and finished the training on your own and got the certificate? Obviously, correct. Yeah, uh, I came. I came to US back in '85, and uh, uh, I'm actually flew 32 years. I'm an airline transport pilot, so love it. Anyway, love it. Uh, right. then, then of course, then we started flying as a crew because we had fixed wing airplanes to do the uh, ocean patrol. So we flew in the twin engine Navajo PA31, and uh, we did the patrols uh, just about every day. So. They made sure that we're not just sitting on our asses and do nothing. <laughs> That's not what we're paid to do. We're not paid to sit Correct. on our asses and Apparently do nothing. Not. <laughs> so Correct. we're gonna we're gonna plow, and then we're gonna we're gonna get the mail, and then we're gonna learn how to be a navigator. I got it. Yeah, I got exactly. you. And, I got and, you. And the tanker. And yeah, the yeah, tanker and, driver. Oh, I tried tanker driver. <laughs> oh my everything. goodness. All right. So now, as things move forward with with this, you know, the rescue swimmer. How did things start changing and developing for you guys to where some collateral duties were like, okay, that's not for them, but like a raft, inflating a raft and inspecting that is. Where did that yeah. start coming through? Uh, it, uh, essentially, they figured out that they, they, they trained us to do that. And I can't remember if we ever serviced a single one just inspecting them visually. Because I don't think they wanted to take a chance that we actually F up something and then it's not going to work. <laughs> 
Oh, <laughs> hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. I like that. All right. That's government for you. <laughs> yeah, totally. That's funny. Oh, that's good. All right. Well, I, man, this is, this has been awesome. So I'll tell you what, if you don't mind, I'd like to kind of get a little bit of, for you specifically, like what, what brought you to the, like, what made you want to apply to be a rescue swimmer? Well, it was, first of all, I always, always loved the water element in, in, in terms of uh, swimming, sailing, everything, everything about it was uh, enticing to me. And I always like to be, you know, available to help. And that sounds like an awesome combination to do all that in the a, in a, in a same time. And uh, like I said, I had just come back six months uh, earlier from the, from the Middle East. And I wanted to do something useful. And, and um, that just popped up. And I said, hey, I'm going to try that. That, that. that sounds awesome. It's like I get to fly. I get to be all over the place. I just didn't read that, read that little fine print that said that uh, when we arrive to the target, we'll kick you out. I, 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 I failed to see that. <laughs> uh, minor detail, minor detail. Yeah, That's minor right. detail. You know, it's, it's actually kind of funny about that is because when I saw a guy jumping out of a helicopter, I didn't care about everything else. I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> uh, again, maybe I should have read the big print, not the little fine yeah, print. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. So now when you get qualified you or qualified, when you start building this program and you get it all up and going, you're on duty, you're, you're there. What was your very first rescue? Uh, the, the very first sizable, real sizable rescue instead of, we had a lot of search and rescue missions. Uh, there's, first of all, there's a lot of, uh, uh, radio antennas on the islands. We have thousands of islands over there in the, in the Northern Baltic, and they all have red warning lights on the top. So when it gets cloudy at night, uh, at night, especially in the evening and low clouds move in and out, and all of a sudden a red light pops up through the clouds, a lot of locals uh, reported, his, uh, reported as a, uh, that as a red flare. So oh. we, yeah, so we deployed two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning to look for another radio antenna. So then we, then we, yeah, those, those were just, they were practice missions, but you know, there was a lot of them. So uh, the first, the big mission was, was December, December 24th of, uh, of 82. We had a, a 300, is a 400 foot oil tanker uh, burning off the coast of uh, uh, Krishna. And, and we went, it, it, it's actually a, stupid story in the sense that because we didn't have a whole lot to do and we were there just Christmas Eve we were just getting ready to call it a day and I had been working in a hangar on my car and I had uh, taken both rear shocks out I had one in already and then all of a sudden the alarm goes off and we already had the second in command of the whole sector over there the commander visiting the locations so I'm running into the barrack almost run into the uh, uh, commander. He said, where, where, where are you going in such a hurry? And I said, we have a burning oil tanker, gotta go. <laughs> Only thing he said, he just looked at me and said, God damn it, and started running over to the uh, the barrack with me. Because needless to say, he, he was on duty at that time also in, in terms of the uh, command structure. So we get everything, we get the gear. Oh, also, we <laughs> part of the deal also was to drive the helicopter in and out using the tow bar most of the time. So <laughs> yeah, we yeah. Had, yeah, we had to collect the gear, 
got into the chopper and we flew to the nearest uh, oil refinery that wasn't far away to pick up the fire crew. And now we're going, going back to the, well, start heading towards the target. And we see the target already on a scope from, you know, uh, 10 miles. And there's a ton of ships approaching because it was, it was a serious mayday. And uh, as soon as we're approaching, uh, the captain of the vessel comes, comes on the horn and, and calls all ships, all ships, all ships. This is uh, uh, Purha, immediate explosion danger, uh, back off five miles, back off five miles. Holy smokes. So, so we see the, uh, uh, the Air Force was in front of us because uh, they were closer. They, they picked up part of the crew. And now we go on a hover and we go on a, a Vauxhall uh, for people uh, forecastle. Uh, and we got on a low hover, uh, more than maybe maybe 14 feet, 15 feet. And I go down and start getting the crew out uh, to the forecastle so we can get them get them in the chopper. And the same time, the overheated uh, fuel is steaming, venting out of all the vents, all the vents on the deck. It's it's just venting out. It's just one spark uh, short of an explosion. And we have a. The Coast Guard had come to the spot already. They had a, a 300 foot uh, tow rope on it. We're right on top of the tow rope. Mechanic just looks down at, at the tow rope and said, that goes, we all go. It's like, yeah, I agree. So wow. we got everybody out and, and uh, flew them back to the base. Then uh, we, uh, needless to say, before that, we of course, we dropped all the uh, firefighting guys down uh, before we took the crew in. And they stayed. So now we had to fly, fly back to the base, refuel, then go get more equipment, more more pieces and equipment from a different refinery. Took them over to the guys over there that needed, you know, all kinds of pumps, whatever they needed. The engine room uh, uh, was was on fire, and the fire was climbing up the uh, cable channels already up to the bridge, and only the. Uh, First officer and the captain stayed on a on a, on, a, on a vessel. So oh, we, we do that. Find a, we fly a mission over there again. Come back. We call it a night. Alarms go off first thing in the morning. Uh, 5:30 in the morning. We gotta go back. So now we pick up another crew of firemen. Go back over there. Get the other guys out. And I never seen guys so tired and so exhausted as those five firemen were. I mean, we got them in a chopper. And they literally collapsed on the floor. They were all black, full of full of blisters and everything. They they, they did a one hell of a job. They saved that vessel. It was Holy unbelievable. Cow. Hats off to the guys. They they did one hell of a job. So that was the big one, uh, first big one for the Coast Guard. And and uh, like I said, we we made the news this time. We made the news. We were headline news. You think? I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. But yeah, it got it. It it was really close. It could have it could have gone off at any second. When when you see the overheated fuel steaming off the all the all the vents, I mean, it's just a matter of time. And you're in a hover right next to it. That that's always a warm and hover. That's yeah. just, just hovering, like, and I'm on the deck, so it's yeah, like no yeah, matter where, yeah. where you are nearby. <laughs> yeah, you know that. Oh my gosh, what what a wow! I I keep. I can't even imagine the feeling you have looking at that either. I mean, I, I've been in some hairy spots, but that, holy smoke. 
was it was exciting. It gave, gave you the purpose immediately while you're here. Wow. Yeah, and you don't. You really don't have time to look around. You know how it is. You don't look around. It's like uh, you next, you next, you next. Let's go, yeah, let's go, go, let's go. Go, go. And then, okay, everybody up. Let's go. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What what a like, uh, you know, outside of searching for flare sightings in the fog, <laughs> that's an eye opener. Like it was. It was. It was. It was. It was one of those things. Like I said, it's like okay, this is what it's all about. Wow. All right. Follow-up question with everything yeah. that built with the, the, so you have all this work that you've put in the past X amount of months, trying to put a program together again, you started in June. So you had June, July, August, September, October, November, into December, you're talking, you know, six and a half months, just about seven months. And that happens. How did, did you guys, were you guys able to get a whole lot more for the program? At that, like following that case, they, I'm, I'm sure the funding, we didn't have major issues after that in, in terms. I don't think to get what we needed, like those uh, harnesses and things like that. Yeah. That came, came with it. But that was, we were able to actually prove the point, what they tried to prove the point earlier that we, this is why we needed rescue swimmers. We yeah. needed this. This is what we need. So we need to go get people away from it, and we can't just have mechanics go down. It's it's gotta it's gotta go down like this. Yeah. So wow. we did get recognition from, of course, not just us rescue swimmers, but the whole squadron. That's it's it's a team effort. There's no eyes Agreed. in there. There's it's just it's a team that does the job. Yeah. No, I I can't emphasize that enough. It's it's not just one guy, and you know, like, like you and I are having a conversation right now, so it's all about you. That's fine, but. <laughs> Outside of that, it is a team effort, 100%. Like, you can't get there without your pilots. You're not getting hoisted in or out without your flight mechanic or hoist operator. And you're not having somebody do the job if they're not down there. So Exactly. Like, I it's, mean, it's, it's, it's a one crew. And one crew, one team. That's, that's how it works. And every, everything has to work smoothly. Yeah, I agree. Wow. What a way to start your career off. Six months <laughs> into it. Holy smoke. Okay. Keep keep rolling, my friend. What else you got? All right, we had a we had a learning learning experience uh, on winter operations. How how shit really can go wrong real quick <laughs> when when everything is frozen. And uh, oh, we gosh. had a we had a mayday call from a, a German uh, dry freighter coming in into uh, oh they were they were maybe 30, 30 miles off the coast, and the captain had had a heart attack. So now um, we, we uh, me and my, my buddy, we both uh, got on a chopper uh, just in case we, we uh, you know, we knew we might have to haul him. So the guys land on a frozen freighter, literally, you know, frozen decks and everything else. We get out with the stretcher and instead of the boys waiting for us to get clear from the prop wash, what do they do? Take off take off and we take off like freaking bullets skating on that ice with the stretcher <laughs> and only only thing that saved our bacon from going overboard was the, the crewman who caught us coming off off the uh container the uh, the, the the decks falling down another 10 feet and and geez that that, that would have been ugly <laughs> oh my gosh 
Yeah, so now, now since we didn't have any kind of communication still, well, we didn't have any radio communication with the helicopter. So we go look at the captain. Captain is, is um, uh, in his cabin, and uh, we start hauling him out of there. Before that, I go on a bridge. I, I, I grab one of the VHS uh, Channel 16 and call the helicopter. They didn't know where the hell that was coming from. <laughs> I said... I told him, it's like, how about now we get on a, on, a, on a deck over there and you land on top of us and, and let's do it this way so that we don't fly overboard. Oh my <laughs> gosh. But that was lesson lesson learned in, in, in winter conditions when the decks are frozen. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was, that was funny as hell. So, oh my gosh. All right, another follow-up question with everything yeah. you guys went through. You're starting to get case after case. Did you guys get medical training at any point in this time, or we we got uh, we got the first uh, basic first aid training so that we had the kits and everything else. So the uh, level one first uh, first aid. So nothing more serious. After I left, uh, the boys actually got uh, the new guys and everybody. They got the paramedic training. They had to go to the school for that, and on oh, wow. top of everything else, what they already were doing, which yeah. was fantastic. Because now you can actually only thing we were able to do is just. You know, we stopped the bleeding on on little things, and and essentially, uh, if we knew it was something really serious, we had a we uh, we had a doctor and a nurse on call from the local hospital. So we took them uh, with us when we went on a mission. But I had uh, right. we had we we got lucky a couple of times. Uh, those big ferries that go from Finland to Sweden, and. Uh, like that Estonia disaster, that was that was one of them, right? One of the ferries, and we practiced. We practiced a lot of them. Literally, we practiced picking up crew and and landing and everything else on them. But again, uh, we used the uh, small AB two hundred six Jet Ranger okay. for for small evacuation because it fit perfectly on the deck over there. We were able to land between masts and chimneys, and needless to say, I emphasize the pilots were fantastic. So we had to pick up a guy. I was on duty, and we went on on uh, outside Helsinki, about forty miles maybe, uh, in the middle of the ocean. And the guy had a, a brain aneurysm, and uh, he landed between the stacks over there. Uh, needless to say, not being experienced in that situation, it was like kind of gnarly and uh, different. So now we load up load up there was luckily there was a doctor and a nurse and we put the patient in the sitting position in the middle in the back and they kept giving him oxygen kept him alive and now the fun part starts now we're overloaded we are and overloaded and the pilot now because we had uh, those big rubber floats on it yeah and we're now way up high in the sky on a on a, on a uh, big cilia uh, line cruiser he started bouncing it bouncing it bouncing it, bouncing it, bouncing it to the edge of the ship, then nose, nosing that damn thing into a nosedive straight towards the ocean. To try so to get the forward airspeed. Speed. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah, you know, I've, you I've heard of guys doing that. You. Oh, dude. I, I literally have heard of guys doing that off oil rigs, like with some yeah. of the old, um, uh, old like 412s and stuff. They would overload the aircraft, drop into a nosedive off the rig to get into that forward airspeed. Yeah. That is crazy. It was. It was extremely. Uh, it, it, it was. 
it was an interesting moment. But I, I had 100% trust on the pilot. I mean, he, he knew exactly what he was doing. <laughs> uh -huh. that, was, that was just an awesome experience. Yeah. The similar, similar <laughs> thing happened to me, uh, another medical thing. Uh, we had to go pick up a patient, but that time the uh, person was on a stretcher and they had, uh, again, they had a uh, doctor and a nurse over there. And uh, now there's no room for me anymore. So I'm staying on the ferry. So I got a free cruise out of it. <laughs> uh, yes, please. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There with the crew and who wants to know is like, uh, you want to eat something or drink something? It's like, what do you want? <laughs> Can I get something with an umbrella in it? That's all I need. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. You should have seen the you should have seen the customs and the police when I come out of the out of the uh, cruise uh, in the late in the evening, because this happened in the morning. I didn't get back until late in the evening. And I'm, I'm there with my helmet and my sea suit and my, my rescue pack with me, walking through as, hello, guys, hello, hello. How was, how was everybody? <laughs> Where are your papers, sir? Uh, yeah. You see, here's what happened. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah, I, I got a story. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Here, hold my umbrella break. I'm going to tell yeah, you all yeah, about yeah. it. Hold this, please. Hold this, please. <laughs> oh, my yeah, gosh. Yeah, we, we had a lot of problems, like I said, with the uh, before we got the civilian registered uh, helicopters, because then we put the American uh, winch on those uh, uh, unit helicopters, and that was a lot more reliable. Because the Russian winch, what we had, had seven different pulleys that the cable went through. Oh, wow. Oh, Interesting. Yeah. It, it, it was it was typical Russian Russian design. It, it was just I don't know how they even made it work. Oh well, I can you get into a little more detail of that one because yeah. I've never even heard of uh, yeah, a similar it went system. So seven different seven different pulleys, and when you run uh, a steel cable through that many pulleys, it'll automatically put a twist on the cable. So now, if you're hanging from it and it gets released uh towards the the winch it makes a bird's nest immediately it's it's just it it goes into a million different uh knots and no that's what kidding. left us in the water in the training a couple of times the mechanic we had a we had a system already developed that point that if the mechanic reaches out of the helicopter and shows a pair of pliers we know what's going to happen <laughs> so oh my yeah. god oh, yeah 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 so they they left us in the water and they went went back to the base the, the fix the cable, come back and get us. <laughs> yeah. What? Oh, oh yeah. wow. Oh, yeah. We just swam to the, uh, usually it was a training mission, so we just swam to the nearest little island or whatever and waited over there. <laughs> oh, the and that thing was learned. dangerous as hell. It, that, that wind was dangerous as hell. I was on a night mission training and, and the Russians had that. We just tried it once and that was one, one time too many. It was uh, like a chair that connected to that winch. And you sat in it, and needless to say, and then hold on to your dear life. And what happened at night, they were uh, lowering me down to a small little rock on the, on, the, on, the, on the ocean just to practice, you know, putting me on a, on a ship. And that freaking thing started spinning because of the twist on the cable. I went to such freaking revolutions that I had to put my chin down to my chest, close my eyes, and, and they started lowering me down to the rock. I didn't even know that I was coming down. I just I, I was just expecting that thing to snap at any second. Holy And smoke. then then my legs hit, knees hit, my head hit. 
the rocks, and uh, it was just baboom. Thank God for a hockey helmet. Yeah, well, no, that time, that time I was actually, actually, I was on my regular gear. Oh, okay. I wasn't supposed to go in the water. So oh. I had the Gentex heavy helmet on. Oh, my gosh. But, yeah, talk about the hockey helmet. You should, you should have seen the look on the guy's face. We had a fire on one of the islands. And now we're going to go over there to check if anyone needs any rescue because there was a house on fire. So we get on the scene. Needless to say, the fire is almost out. They had put it almost out. So now we put the helicopter nearby. Now the whole thing is in flames again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. And then, then they saw me in the red, red <laughs> diving outfit with the hockey helmet on coming out of the helicopter. <laughs> they didn't know if they was going to cry or laugh. They just looked at me. He's like, no, we're good. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's hilarious! That was hilarious. Wow! Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, those 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 Russian equipment—they were extremely dangerous. That I, I still I'm, was, I'm yeah. gonna have to look up that hoist because I'm yeah. I mean, I've never seen one, but to have seven pulleys to be running seven through, pulleys. like at the helicopter. Now I assume the cable is going inside of a drum on the side of the helicopter. It's not like coming. No, it was all inside. So the, there, the was an arm. Wow. there was an arm that turned out when you open the door, you turn the arm out. And that's where the pulley system came all the way down to the motor that was on the floor. Oh, my gosh. So and the that's whole when we finally got wow. we got the equipment from U.S. that worked on the on the new. And I mean, we were able to do uh, two man hoiskers uh, with the uh, old one. We were limited to. Maybe 150 kilos. So with oh, yeah. the other one, we were close to 300 kilos. So, or 350. So, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, let's see. I got to do the quick math here. 100 kilos is about 220 pounds. Yeah. Plus another yeah. 100. 240. Yeah. 350 pounds. That's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a lot, but it's not a lot when you're talking about two guys in gear. It's, yeah, it's exactly. not, won't support it. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. So things, what a trip! Things, yeah, it, it 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 was it was uh, it was a handful of uh, equipment. Even the pilot said it's it was relatively reliable. Only thing that was going for the MIA was it had uh, de-icing system on a, on a uh, on a blades. Yeah, of course, not approved for civilian use or anything like that. But in our conditions, that came to use uh, you know several several times. Yeah. So we, um, when I was flying in Alaska, we flew the H60 and that had de-ice on the blades yeah. too. Very nice to have, you know, oh, just you, to, you have to have them. Yeah, totally. You know, and yeah, it's all on the leading edge and the very super, yeah. super stoked. I, I, yeah, it's kind of a warm and fuzzy when you're flying too. So you, yeah. you feel that, but JP, no, this, wow. yeah, this was, yeah, it was when we finally got our, cause, uh, uh, we didn't even have decent, uh, you know, lighting equipment on it so that we can do search lighting and everything else. Once we finally got the civilian version, we had two uh, one and a half million candle uh, search lights left and right. So we were able to actually see what the hell we're, we're looking at and trying to find something. So <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it, was, it was exciting times because really the equipment was, you know, non-existent. And you just got what you needed when you needed. Like something didn't work, you get a case. You're like, you know what? We really could have used X, and then poof, 
couple months later, yeah, and then a year later, six you months. have X. Yeah, six, six months later, you have X. Why did yeah. we get this? Oh, because of this case right here. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. Yeah. 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 And once we got our, our civilian equipment with those whites, we went on a, we had to go in the middle. Oh, it was December, I believe. We had to go on a mission to an island. There was a uh, islands, big as big as islands. They had cars. They had kids who drive cars, and with alcohol involved and everything else, two car crash, bad. We got in there uh, in the middle. We had to go with the see. Now we have the uh, radar operators uh, desk in the back that we were trained for. So that was our job as a navigator. So now we're sitting on a 12-inch screen over there with a plotter, plotting our our heading and target. Uh, that was our job now also. So we were navigating to the target and and uh, the same way we practice, we literally went to the, you know, lighthouses or whatever, and we were reading from the back, you know, one, uh, three cables to the target, two cables to the target, one cable to the target, target. And if the pilot says, uh, you know, not in sight, pull left, climb to 1500 feet, heading so and so and so, we did that just like a radar controller in 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 uh, air traffic control. That was that was our job. So we got on a mission. I I'm uh, targeting us because the weather was bad. We had to use the de-icers. We got to the uh, island, and by miracle, by one miracle, all of a sudden the clouds break, and we see actually the island underneath us. So now we're landing on a on a on a soccer field and the boys forget to turn the searchlight off. So there's a crap load of snow where we're landing. And uh -huh. now the searchlight, million and a half candle that burns right through, starts the grass on fire underneath the lights. <laughs> In the middle of the winter. So we got took care of that. So we got the, uh, the, the people uh, injured people on a chopper and this this one young uh, young lady had broken her back and every time we hit a bump or anything in the air she screamed oh, it was man. terrible but again now now we're in a bad weather we're trying to get back home to the actually trying to go directly to the hospital because they they needed immediate care so the weather is shitty we come close to the city and the guy said we can't we can't see worth the damn we can just see some houses and so i went up front and I was, I was telling them by visual clues, because I had lived there all my life. It's like, yeah, you're on this street now, go on, go on this way, go this way, because we're trying to get to the hospital now, turn right. And then next thing I see is a church tower that is slightly higher than us. And I said, pull up immediately, pull up oh. immediately, turn left. So we had to go to the airport and, and uh, have the ambulances meet us over there. And we had to shoot an instrument approach just to get in. We were trying. Why? Well, good job for trying. I'm glad you missed the steeple. Like that's yeah, not the way to get to church. Come on, JP. No. <laughs> Don't get me to the church on time, right? <laughs> wow. Dang. And another funny thing was, since we were now the official search and rescue mission uh, operators, we got a ELT go went off someplace in a, in a central Finland. So from our home base, we flew. Uh, over two hours, two and a half hours to the base and trying to locate the ELT is like, all of a sudden it's pinging right in the middle of the city. It's like, this cannot be, you know, an airplane crash. So we come closer because the, the guys were uh, ex-military ex and everything else. So they start doing maneuvers, turning left, turning right. 
we were listening where it gets stronger, where it gets weaker. So then I go down with the hoist and, and go down into the uh, uh, city or the, the uh, suburb and I have a portable VHF and I'm shielding the antenna so that I can get the direction where it's the strongest. And I start walking and I walk only a couple of blocks and I see uh, open garage door with the uh, uh, sailplane tail st uh, sticking out. And I said, you have an ELT. Oh yeah, I have an ELT. Well, we came from two, two and a half hours to turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, sir. I need you to turn that off, please. Thank you. Yeah. That's that'd be yeah. appreciated. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he had taken it off the plane and just put it on, on the uh, shelf, slammed it down, so he triggered it immediately. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and the funniest thing was we were we were less than an, less than uh, 20 miles from the military airbase. <laughs> oh no way. <laughs> Why didn't you call them? Gee, no, exactly. exactly. They they had the Learjet up in the air looking for the same signal that was 15. <laughs> 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 You know, I will say I've had a couple of those myself. Uh, hey, can you guys shut off your ELT things? And they're like, oh, all right. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Coast Guard. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't didn't mean to disturb you. Yeah. <laughs> Our bad. As you're flying yeah. like over the whole, like uh, the port and all the boats and everybody's in there, you're like, which one is it? Hey, whoever's yeah. got the ELT, shut that shit off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. Oh, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's essentially, that's what we were doing. So. Gosh, Jake, oh, you, these the stories are awesome. Like, <laughs> wow, you you totally had the like everything from start to finish. You were building everything. So I've talked to Sammy quite a bit, and you know him and all his stuff that that they talk about now and what they do and the training and the equipment and the gear that those guys are are running. I mean, you started that, and and everything that happened, you know. And I I look at the guys, Steve Ober and Butch Flight, the guys from my world in the U.S. Coast Guard and what they went through and the gear that we have now and, and the procedures that we have now, everything happened because of X and whatever that X may be, it is, it's made it into something special and amazing now. It's well, we, we, we basically we're, we're, we're in a stone age compared to the guys. Now, these guys, they know they got the equipment and their, their technology, their training is, yeah. is like thousand percent more than what we ever got. <laughs> And my hat. You didn't even have a uniform. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, you're wearing a mechanic's coveralls for two and a half weeks. Yeah, that's that was lovely. <laughs> oh, I, I do. I'm with you though. I mean, like all the equipment that's out there now. I, I'm. I feel truly blessed at the fact that I'm able to fly with some incredible equipment and 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 the techniques that we use and the strategies that we use. Like it was all learned from trial and error years ago, and we've just been able to improve and improve and improve to today. So, you know, I'm one yeah, of those guys. That's, in the middle. You gotta, you gotta get to the point that you minimize all the danger. What is inherent with the business, right? And and uh, we said several, several, several times, you know, about not hoisting over the hard hard ground if we don't have to. If 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 it's if the, if it can be avoided, don't do it. After I left, year year and a half later, my my friend died from coming down from the from the chopper. Fell fifty feet because the cable broke. It it oh. uh, spooled it in, and the uh, safety switch didn't stop. The hook 
from from uh, going too far in, and he broke the cable, and he fell down and died. Oh, that's man. the only only loss in in uh, our rescue swimmers in forty years. Thank God. You know what? That's um, that's that is a tragedy. I, I don't ever want to hear that. But the fact that you've only lost one guy in all your stuff. I mean, there's something to be said about that too. Like yes. you guys have, yes, you know, done things we have, right. We like it. Yeah, like like I said, our our crews. Because again, I I I can't emphasize enough that this is team effort. That that nobody does anything by themselves and I sure as hell didn't could have you know done anything without without a good team and and we three when we started this thing without us three doing it it would have not happened <laughs> man I love it I love it that's so awesome <laughs> all right JP I'm gonna ask you one more kind of follow-up question and, and this will be it yeah. and then and then we can get out of here because I've kept you for a, a ton of time and I appreciate all of this and that is if you went back and did it all again, is there anything that you either would have done a little different or things you would have changed or just let it ride? What would you have done? I would have, I would have absolutely, uh, if I'd known any better, but I was, I was a young buck those days. It's like, you don't know how much you can uh, ask or what, what you can even, even demand. I would have demanded some kind of a training seminar with international operators who have been doing this instead of us just jumping into the frying pan without anything. I mean, literally no knowledge of how this thing is going to work. And imagine that, that then within a year's time, now we were training other uh, so-called volunteer rescue swimmers in the helicopter squadron in the military. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> this, this happened in a year's time. It's like, no, we, we, we should have had a lot more information, a lot more knowledge when we started doing this instead of just trial by error. Yeah. Because we tried everything. We tried, like I said, we we went through scenarios where we assumed that the winch is broken. So we drop a life raft from the helicopter, launch it, and and see if we can get it close to the people. And you know how that ends when the when the helicopter is nearby. That is, you you just say bye bye to the life raft. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> wait, 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 wait! There it goes, yeah. and you're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> a five meter swim turned into a hundred meter swim pretty darn quick. Oh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Which then turned no, into the five hundred meter swim, and you're like, ah, oh, got it. Yeah, it's like I don't want to do this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man, JP, I'll tell you what, man, I, this has been an incredible treat for me. Uh, I throw a huge congratulations to, you know, the Finnish Border Guard and the fact that you guys have hit 40 years. Uh, all the rescue swimmers that have come after you, you know, you, you, you the three of you guys set the pace and, and paved the way for the rest of them. And you know what? Well done, sir. Well done. Thank you, sir. You're very welcome. It was welcome. our pleasure. I, you know what? I'm sure it was. <laughs> it was. Oh, I love it. Well, I'll tell you what, JP. I, when I get back to the States, you know, you and I were talking about it a little earlier offline, but uh, you know where my hometown is and and you have friends and family out there. So looks you like bet. we're going to be we're being beaten in Ashburnham, Massachusetts for a beer and build an actual Finnish. Uh, wait, what are we building? A real Finnish sauna. Real Finnish sauna made by a Finnish guy. So there's going to be a stamp it. of approval on it. Boom. It. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. 
I love it. Dude, I appreciate this, man. Thank you so much for coming on and, and sharing the stories and, and how the Finnish Border Guard it was created the rescue support program. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for being able to be part of your program. Ah, thanks. And, uh, and I'll catch you later. That's it. All right. And ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome back uh, our guest, Mr. Sammy Olila. And he's from the Finnish Border Guard in the New Guard. Now, uh, he was episode 30. So if you have not listened to episode 30 and you want to hear some great rescues from him, holy smoke, go back and listen to that. But Sammy was is in the uh, Finnish Border Guard currently. He's been there for 26 years, and he is going to give us an update as far as what these guys are doing now. What's up, Sammy? How are you, brother? Hello, Jason. Nice to Good be Good to see you again, yeah, buddy. Yeah, yeah, Good to see yet, you. yet again. Yet again. I guess the third time. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. You know what? I, I miss you. That's why I like having you back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm really stuff. looking forward to meeting you live. In Portugal. I know. One of these days. Yeah, that's right. Portugal. Bring on your Rosa. Let's go. <laughs> I like yeah. it. Well, I'll tell you what. You know, we had such a great conversation from JP, and he just gave us some phenomenal information about how the border guard or the Finnish border guard set up its rescue swimmer program. He was number one. And some of the stories he was talking about just, you know, between gear and how he got thrown into the blades and just how it all happened. What I'd like to see for you to do is give us a rundown. How has everything changed and what does it look like now? Let's start with the recruiting process. Like JP just got, he was like, yeah, go and made it happen. What do you guys have to do now to recruit somebody to get in to be a Finnish border guard rescue swimmer. Okay, yeah. Uh, first of all, I also really uh, enjoyed hearing hearing this uh, JP's podcast, and uh, of course, things have uh, changed a lot from those early days. And uh, yeah, when uh, when if we go from from the eighties to the nineties, when I I started. The squadron was still uh, recruiting uh, rescue swimmers from outside the Finnish border guard, stating that uh, those that uh, were invited for the for the testing testing occasion sort of they were looking uh, persons who had uh, some sort of background in 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 swimming or or diving, more to speak, and uh, basically. In my generation, all the recruits had a background where they had uh, done their conscription in the Finnish Navy divers. And uh, at that time, that was sort of the route to to become a rescue swimmer in Finland. And uh, going forward from there, the requirements have uh, gradually become a little bit higher in in regarding the the competency of in, in the EMS field. That's why ages have, have come up higher, typically in what age the guys are or, or girls who come in. And, you mean uh, when they can start? Is that what you're talking about? Like how uh, old well, they can be when they start the program? Uh, yeah, well, well in, in, if you think of the, the requirements and what kind of uh, degrees they should have already done, so they have to have some sort of studies or experience already in the background, so it's, it's yeah. not very yeah yeah it's obvious that uh, the ages are more more close to 25 between to almost to 30 years old and uh, at, at my time when i was uh, 
getting in. They had a, like an age limit that uh, you had to be under 25. And, uh, ah, and that's, okay. that's, that's the thing that has changed. And also uh, when we come to the current time, uh, the requirement is that all the recruits need to be Coast Guards or Border Guards, Border Guard men already. Uh, working in in the, in the in the Finnish border guard to be able to apply for the job, so nice. It's it's yeah. So you guys got you're recruiting basically right out of the Finnish guard, the Finnish border guard um, guys right in, but they've already got some sort of experience in firefighting or EMS, something with a medical, and then yeah, bring them into there. Yes, yes, correct, and uh, and we have sort of put out this message the people who are interested and that's there's a lot quite a quite a few persons who have maybe worked already uh, in, in the rescue services elsewhere and uh, then when they have heard that in the near future there might be an opportunity to apply for for a rescue swimmer program they will first apply uh, for the coast guard academy and, uh, and from there they sort of apply when when the window opens for for the position or for the training they they seek for that spot wow so how long does that usually take from basically they apply and assuming that everybody gets picked up like let's say i'm gonna come apply now i can't because i'm too old but (laughs) let's say you know you got a new guy coming in and um he applies he gets picked up because he's got the experience. How long does it take before he gets into the rescue swimmer training? Uh, that that basically happens uh, when, you, when we open up the recruitment uh, and then make the selection. They start uh, off uh, pretty quickly, uh, jump into the squadron, and uh, we will start the flight training program with them. And the flight training program itself takes about one one year or so all the training is done uh on site our our basis and uh because of the it's it's based on the flight training program we can't sort of recruit uh, a big group of uh people to train so it's it's usually like uh two or maximum four persons at a time that we train just two to four people that you train for a course of a year yeah. Wow, that's not a lot of people. Holy smoke. No. What happens yeah, if somebody gets it. hurt or something happens and they're not into it, then you're you're down, you're going to lose people quick. That's that's wow, yes. that's something else. Yes. Interesting. Yes, uh, that's that's why the recruitment recruitment process is very important that uh, you make the make the right type of selection there. So, but we don't we don't uh we haven't had like uh People uh, being being left out during during these uh, flight training programs. That everybody that uh, has has come in from the selection, uh, they have sort of uh, completed their flight training and are fully operational after that. Hey, everybody that we have well recruited, done. yeah. Man, that's awesome. You know, like we look at our training. You know, again, I I, I don't have a whole lot to compare to. I mean. Um, you know, it's interesting. Actually, I'll, I'll go into real quick the, you know, the U.S. Coast Guard when they did it, when they said, "Hey, we need a rescue swimmer program," they went down to the U.S. Navy because they knew U.S. Navy had already had the program. So they were just like, "Hey, put these guys in here, train them to be rescue swimmers, and then we'll bring them back in and 
put them at the air stations. And then eventually the Coast Guard made their own program. You guys had nothing. Like you started with nothing. JP said that. And it was like, what? So now that you guys have a recruitment process for this, four, five, four guys to drop in and, and you've got like that recruitment profit recruitment process has got to be legit in order to keep them all the way through the program. Well done. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a huge benefit that, uh, uh, as I told before, they have already some sort of background in, in the rescue world in general. So it's, uh, it's a huge benefit. So it's, they're, they're sort of not, not sort of new, new to the, to the rescue side of the job. So, right. Now you just got to make sure they're comfortable in the water. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that, that's why we have the, the pool tests that uh, they, they basically, they do give a, give a good picture of how, how they perform in the water. And, uh, and uh, yeah, uh, right now, starting from uh, early this year, the Finnish border guard decided to bring out the Ursa PT in our recruitment test. So that's, that's which, one, one which is element in the pool test that we are doing. Yeah. And that's a pretty legit test. All right. So now once you guys get to flight training in your rescue swimmer training, what does that entail? Like you have a year of training. What, um, what are these guys doing? Uh, the flight training, of course, it's, it starts with a, with a, week or two like a theory session and uh some stuff in in the in the hangar to get familiarized with with the helicopter that you are operating with and and also about the helicopter operations in general there's uh the whole whole crew is sort of uh conducting this uh or working as instructors for the rescue swimmers and uh the first uh theory part it's it's they are mainly done by by our pilots who who sort of bring them to bring them into the aviation world in a sense and uh, yeah and then nice. then we and the actual flight training consists of of all the possible scenarios or operations that that we know of that we are we are basically doing so it uh, it consists of 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 basic like uh, what what you would be doing on a on a normal like a surveillance flight or a search flight or uh, then uh, doing some uh, landings on uh, some confined areas or uh, landings on ships and then uh, of course uh, external cargo training. We can do those type of missions also, and uh, bumpy bucket flying, firefighting, and uh, wow. And then, uh, of course, the winching part. And then all of these trainings are done sort of in a in a duplicate manner. We first conduct the whole program on a daytime, and uh, then they conduct it again on nighttime. So it's it's that's why it takes so long. That's awesome. And, and you guys have a set program, how, you know, check boxes. Okay. You're going to do this fight. You're going to do this task. You're going to do this task and, and continue yes. on to get all the way through. And that's so different yes. than when JP came in, it was like, ah, let's try this and see if it works. <laughs> all right. So now let's, yeah, let's talk. That, that, yep. Go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. In that sense also, you can uh, sort of, uh, 
identify the rescue swimmer in, in, in the squadron as, as a member of the, of the crew. But it wasn't necessarily in the, in the beginning. It was just a guy who was supposed to go outside and do the job outside. But, but <laughs> now, now we think it, it, as, a, as, a, as a whole, it's a, it's a crew who does, does the job. Oh, that's fantastic. Well done. I, that's, that's a great thing to hear that change. That's awesome. All right, Sammy. So out of curiosity with um, some of the recruitment stuff, what are some of the important changes regarding crew installation, like with putting guys in and out? Uh, yeah, initially uh, when uh, JP were flying with, uh, with MI8, they worked with a, with a fireman crew, I believe. But uh, most importantly, only one, one rescue swimmer on board the helicopter. And after we purchased the uh, Super Puma, they installed this group, this uh, helicopter with a, with a five-man crew that had uh, two uh, flight mechanics on board and one rescue swimmer. And uh, one ma- major change was caused by the Estonia catastrophe, where they had multiple casualties in water yeah. and rafts and uh, had to work long hours in rafts and, uh, and water that uh, the captain of the, of the helicopter quite quickly realized that uh, them being the first helicopter on scene that uh, they have to board the helicopter with, a, with another rescue swimmer and to be able to work more efficiently and uh, safer, safer on scene. And uh, after that, uh, basically the crew was harmonized in a way that uh, we now have uh, in the fireman crew we have two rescue swimmers and currently as all the requirements regarding the EMS missions the other rescue swimmers swimmer is currently uh, required to have a paramedic license as well but uh, oh, nice. in the sense we yeah in the sense in a sense, we still think that uh, there, there's two rescue swimmers on board the helicopter, but the other one sort of takes more responsibility regarding all the EMS stuff that we do. Right on. So the the rescue swimmer takes care of all the patients and stuff, and now you guys carry two on board because you've got a bigger helicopter. So it, it it's a four man crew or a three man crew in the back. Uh, it's a three-man crew in the back, yeah. Two of them are rescue swimmers, and then you have the hoist operator. Yeah, and the nice. other rescue swimmer should have the paramedic license. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. Wow, that, that works out really well. What a what a nice set of hands to have there. Wow, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I, I I could maybe maybe we could see uh, in in that way also that. Uh, Regarding the all the recruitment that we do, we sort of it's a it's a very big big benefit if if you already have uh, the paramedic license as you come in and uh, or maybe your studies are at the final stage in the future. I can see that the both of the guys are paramedic licensed guys, the rescue swimmers that work in the back. Yeah, that would be awesome. I, I know I enjoyed working with another paramedic especially seeing that I was not yeah <laughs> I was a rookie paramedic when I was in the back so <laughs> yeah oh. yeah nice cool very cool so one of the other uh changes that that happened or that you guys have gone through a big change as far as um not only what you're doing on the hangar deck but as far as you know 
being part of the Finnish border guard, you guys are officers as well or law enforcement. Yeah, we you can see us as as part of the law enforcement. Uh, in Finland, we have a very tight cooperation with other authorities and uh, like police and the customs. The Finnish border guard have a very sort of tight community community, and uh, this sort of uh, brings out some obligations for the rescue swimmers also. And uh, this wasn't always the case when I when I started the job. We of course were were sort of uh, coast guard officers as well, but uh, we didn't carry any that type of equipment with us. And uh, we were mainly not, we weren't really tasked for that type of missions alone, where we would for uh, would be confronting situations where we would, would be uh, possibly had to use any kind of force. So so this, this has evolved uh, in recent years has evolved a lot and uh, now we have to undergo all the, all the training that all the other coast guard or border guard officers have to go through and uh, with with the yearly inspections regarding shooting and and or using arms to have the permission to to carry carry arms wow and uh, that's, that's, awesome. that's one that's uh, one element that sort of uh, generates a lot of work for us and uh, also so we have to sort of keep an update for many different fields in, in our work in a sense so it's it's and uh, yeah. but but we have uh, we have like uh, our in in the squadron uh, we have some of our rescue swimmers have been trained to work as in as instructors for this and uh, so we get along by ourselves in a sense this so that's pretty awesome so when you think about that for a second though all of the roles that you guys work on or have rescue swimmer uh paramedic air crew member and now like law officer carrying weapons you've got to get all your shooting training and your oh my gosh that's that is a lot <laughs> that's that, awesome. that is a lot and yeah, and and we realize it, and uh, it's it, it's it really really yeah. Uh, you have to train all these fields to keep keep you updated, and 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 of course there there are different personalities within us, but uh, we all understand that uh, we are sort of border guard or coast guard officers first, and uh, that's that's why it's it's very important to to bring up this issue as well. Yeah. Wow, man, you guys have been given some roles. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> That's great, man. So what about now some of the gear that you guys have brought on? And, and again, JP's going out in a hockey helmet and, you know, like a wetsuit that he had to go down the road with and, and find what, what are you guys using for gear right now that's standard across the board? Uh, if I look back at, at the 90s, when I started, uh, of course, in the beginning, in JP's time, in the 80s, they were looking for, uh, of course, the, all the materials, if we talk about dry suits, they have also sort of evolved and uh, gotten better in time. When I got in uh, at the time, we I don't know if Ursuit at the time made 
such suits, uh, we were looking at these tree laminate like uh, fabrics that they use in the, in the diving world today. But in the, in the 90s, they weren't like uh, that typical material yet. The mid 90s, so we had uh, we used it was a uh, suit from the UK at the time, Akion or something like what, what it was called. But coming to the 2000, uh, we also started to make dry suits that also would sort of fit our our idea of the dry suits. And uh, basically, uh, what we are looking in a dry suit is that uh, it should be light uh, enough and uh, it should be feel comfortable and and so so that uh, it, the gear itself should sort of uh, bring out uh, minimal strain or affect job like negatively so these uh, materials have uh, evolved a lot and today they are really lightweight and, and work really good the rescue swimmer job Nice. Very nice. You're not wearing hockey helmets anymore, right? No hockey helmets. And uh, actually, we, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, there, was, there was a long time that uh, we didn't, when I came in, they, we weren't using any helmets. Actually. It's just a neoprene hood. Just as we are speaking, actually, we just got back into the helmets right now. So there's a long period of time that we haven't had basically. Some some individuals could could use a helmet, but it wasn't sort of a requirement. But uh, now we are using the Upscore helmet and uh, getting the radio equipment also headsets for the, for that helmet. So it's wonderful. Uh, oh, it's good to yeah. hear. I'm all about wearing yeah. a helmet. Like as a rescueman in the water, I've seen stuff fall out of the helicopter, land right next to me. I'm like, ah, that would have hurt. So I'm all for those yeah. that don't wear yeah. a helmet outside the aircraft. Yeah. I would consider it if I were you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. yeah, I agree. I nice. agree. Nice. Um, Jeremy, I, are there any cases that stand out uh, to you as far as when, you know, in the past 26 years that you've been there that have made the changes and helped you evolve? Uh, I don't think I can remember that type of cases that uh, that sort of uh, really changed any, any like... Uh, our perception uh, regarding gear or, or, or that type of thing. But uh, looking at the times that we are living uh, right now, uh, one case comes into my mind uh, that uh, I actually did one uh, in, I think it was early 2000 or something like that. Uh, I did a medivac from, from a Russian uh, battleship in the middle of the Baltic Sea. So wow. that's uh, like like an interesting, nothing major in, in the job itself, but uh, like an, now that I look at this current situation where we are living in politically, so it's, it's, it's quite interesting to remember this type of case that uh, probably wouldn't be possible to do right now. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, no kidding. Jeez. It was like yeah. a sailor, sailor who had uh, some sort of medical condition there, and we had our hems uh, uh, doctor with us there, and uh, we had to we had to sedate him on board board the ship, uh, or st- start to stabilize him on, on, on the on the on the ship, and uh, uh, then we uh, so the doctor would intubate him, and uh, and then then we uh, hoisted him in a stretcher 
And uh, there was actually one thing that relates to this. Uh, at the time, we didn't have any respirators in, in our heli helicopters, so we had to sort of manually uh, ventilate them. And uh, wow. the doctor was the doctor was asking me if it was possible to to do a double hoist uh, with, with the with the litter, so that uh, someone would be ventilating him also during the during the hoist and uh, uh, this is a procedure that uh, we uh, it's not an official procedure that we have in our flight operations and uh, I agreed that I could do it but uh, then just before we uh, were to do it he said that maybe it's it's okay that uh, if it takes only like uh, one minute maximum two minutes that uh, we would just hyperventilate him a little bit uh, just before the winch and with normally with a with a guideline and that we did wow but yeah that's that yeah the the stuff you end up learning on on different cases it's amazing how it how it rolls rolls through and changes uh changes procedures and the fact you're yeah. doing it on a russian ship russian battleship that that's kind of cool too that's a cool story yeah 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 <laughs> So it's one one uh, certain thing that has sort of stuck in my mind in that in that case was that that we were uh, handling the patient on the, on the ship and uh, it was uh, in the middle of the night time but I think it was uh, like summertime and uh, but we still had to use our immersion uh, maritime suits there so uh, in the summertime they tend to get really hot in in those suits and. We were really sweating, sweating at the at the ship, and I just remember the uh, Russian Navy crewman bringing some tissues to wipe off my forehead there in the. <laughs> the deck, what a nice so. guy! So, yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's funny. clears throat> very cool. Very cool. So, Sammy, with all this, the the recruitment process you have. Uh, the training you've got set up, the new gear, with all the stories that have, have happened, all the rescues that you guys have done to kind of create what you've got now. Is there anybody going through the training at this moment? Yeah, we actually uh, uh, have just done a recruitment process and uh, selected three new guys, uh, the squadron. Nice. And uh, yeah, congrats to all these guys. And uh, they are just starting their flight training these guys uh, they were all all guys and uh, unfortunately it would be nice to get a girl every now and then also to the squadron to the, to the job but uh, re but so far we haven't had any women even in in the recruitment tests so they'll so come shout out one day yeah yeah come on, I'm ladies sure, I'm sure. Let's step it up yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so yeah Three, three guys, and uh, they are all uh, close to 30 years old, and uh, everybody, too, already have their bachelor's degree in the, in, in the healthcare, being paramedics, and uh, also have worked for a while as paramedics, and uh, the other one being also a fireman, fire department diver. One of the guys is just finalizing his paramedic studies, so... They have a very, very good background in, in this sense. So yeah, really looking forward these guys forward for these guys to finally uh, get That's through awesome. the flight training program. Yeah. 
Man, fantastic. I love it. I love it. New guys coming in. I expect to see their name on your Rosa list here pretty quick, too. Beautiful. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's go, boys. They Make have, it happen. They have to, yeah, maybe get they have done. to wait for a, for, a, for a while to get the, that needed experience and uh, that first case to be able to join. Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Got to hold that right at that little, like, the, the carrot out there. So, like, hey, when you guys yeah. get this, then you get this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Sammy, yeah. thanks so much for coming on and, and really giving us an update as to what you guys are doing now. I love it. I love the stories and, and I, I love what you guys are doing out there. So thank you for sharing this. And, uh, and I look forward to seeing you at the next Eurosa meeting. Yeah, me too, Jason. Really looking forward to meeting you. It's going to be fun. So much of you online. We have to meet live. It's a, yes, absolutely. We do need to make that happen. <laughs> I look forward to yeah. it. Brother, I will I will catch you a little later. Thank you again for coming and joining me, man. Thank you, Jason. See you later, bud. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, we are out of here. Go. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Real Rescue Podcast. Please take a minute to like, subscribe, and hit that share button. I'm pulling chocks and taking off. But before I go, if anyone out there has a rescue story they would be willing to share, I would be humbled and honored to have you on as a guest. Or if you have any questions about rescue or anything else we talk about here, send an email to jason at therealrescue.com. That's jason at T-H-E-R-E-A-L-R-E-S-Q.com. You can also check us out on our web pages, therealrescue.com, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page at The Real Rescue. Again, a special thank you to all of you standing on the watch today. Always remember, when that star alarm goes off, those in distress are praying for a miracle. They are going to get you. Until next time, fly safe and swim hard. <laughs>